Okay, I'm going to read from Mark chapter 9, verse 2 to 13. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to him, uh, to them Elijah and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good that we are here. Let's make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and the voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that today you would give us all a glimpse of your glorious revelation of your son Jesus, that he would be... uh, building up in us a strength and a maturity that comes from you and you alone. I pray that you would show us the depths of your love, uh, the, the certainty of your salvation, and Father, the glory of your glory, even revealed in us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, uh, for those who remember last week, last week we talked about Peter, and he made this great confession of Jesus. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then, uh, then Jesus immediately started to tell them, the Son of Man must die. And uh, three days later, he'd die in Jerusalem and suffer at the hands of the chief priests and so on. And three days later, he'd be raised from the dead. And uh, Peter wasn't that happy with that. He didn't think that's the way the king should be treated. So he took him aside and then... Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. And we found out that the cross was an absolute necessity and all of that. And then uh, it says, Peter said, six days later. You know, the gospel stories are really, a lot of the time, they're just not necessarily in order. And if you read the gospels, you'll find the stories are a bit out of order. But what, what Mark's saying is you've got to know this happened after that. Why? Because what you just what's about to happen, the glory revealed, is for Peter and uh, James and John, who had come to this revelation of who Jesus really was. And Jesus seemed to a number of times take just those three with him. Uh, I don't think we should say that they were his favourites, but more that they were the witnesses that he chose to bear witness to the things he was doing. Um, we think in the way of favourites, but God doesn't have favourites. Do you know that? And if it is, it's not us. <laughs> it's Jesus, but that's okay. 
So, and then it says right there in front of them, in front of Peter, James and John, Jesus was transfigured or transformed might be the word. And he could be seen in all his splendour. Uh, Luke, in Luke's gospel, because we've got three accounts of this, Luke says his face changed. doesn't say how it changed, just said it changed. And he was radiant and shining and his clothes shone white. Now Mark, as you know, whether Mark was dictated by Peter, probably was, that's what people think. And, uh, you know, he's a simple person and he says he was so white, like his clothes were so white, like, you know, if you've got the best bleach on earth and you bleach your clothes, well, he was whiter than that, all right? Just, just understand, it was really white. He's looking for something to describe that. Well, it's whiter than bleach. Jesus had always been the Son of God, right? But as they saw Jesus walking around, he was always the Son of God and the Son of Man. Remember, he was born of Mary, but he was the Son of the Father. And if you'd had seen him... Most times in his life, you would have said, there goes a man. But if it were possible, just imagine that there were somehow a spiritual curtain in front of Jesus and all you could see was a man and then you could lift that curtain and see his godness, if godness was a word. That's what happens here. That curtain is lifted and they see the glorious son of God. Now, this is awesome, isn't it? Right before him, the glorious son of God. And he is glorious. Just before in Mark 8.38, Jesus had said a time will come later when Jesus would come in the glory of the Father with his holy angels. And just for a second, or just for however long this event took place, Peter and James and John got a preview, got a, a foreshadow of that glory of when Jesus returns with his angels. And that's what he's going to be like. And it's also a proof of what Peter had confessed. Jesus really is the Son of God. Yeah, yeah, he's a good man. Yeah, he's a teacher. Yeah, he's a miracle worker. He's the Son of God. He's far more than just a man. He's the Messiah. Now, the word um, transfigured here is the Greek word, and the Greek word is metamorphed. You've heard that word, metamorphed. Yeah? When do we use it? We generally use it. People talk about it when a caterpillar goes into a cocoon and then a couple of weeks later it busts out and it's a beautiful butterfly. And that that process they call metamorphosis. It's a transformation and then into something glorious. So what's kind of happening here is, I'm not saying Jesus is a caterpillar, but if you use that example for a second, you see the butterfly. Just for a little while, he's the beautiful butterfly. You see that, and then it goes back to the old. But later, you will see the full glory. Now, it's a very bad way of describing it, but it's how I'm describing it. Just because. So that is the transformation they saw. For a second, they saw Jesus, the Son of God, in all his glory. Okay. Then... Moses and Elijah appear and they're talking to Jesus. Now you know that Moses has been dead for 1,200 years. Elijah got taken up in a chariot of fire, what, 700 years before this. Right? Moses was the one who received the law of God at Mount Sinai. 
Moses led the people out through the Red Sea from Egypt, from the land of slavery. And there, God, at the land of Mount Sinai, God gave them the law. Okay. So he, and, and so often when people talk about the first part of the Bible, they either call it the law or they call it the book of Moses. That's the first five books. Then Elijah, you remember who he was? He was the great prophet, wasn't he? Spoke God's word in front of evil, idolatrous kings and the like. A prophet is God's mouthpiece. They speak what God says. So you see, together, Moses and Elijah are the law and the prophets, which is the New Testament way of saying the whole Old Testament. This makes sense, sorry. So what's happening here is the whole Old Testament, the law and the prophets, is meeting with Jesus. Because there's one story in the Bible. God's story for history, right? And Jesus, and he is like, you know, we, we still hear people say, in the Old Testament, when God used to be angry, you know, before he became nice in the New Testament, it's like, no, no, there's one plan, God's plan, which is through Moses and through the prophets, or the, uh, through the law and the prophets, and through Jesus, because they are actually standing, having a conversation. What were they talking about? Well, it doesn't say in Mark. But however, if you wanted to, actually, if you want to get Luke, could you get Luke 30 and 31 up there? We'll get that. But they're having this conversation. So we've got this unity of God's plan. Luke 9, 30 to 31. <laughs> Two men, this is Luke's telling of the same story. Yeah, and behold, two men were talking with Jesus with him. Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Now if we're gonna get really fancy, you see above the word departure, it's got a little thing if you press that Greek word Exodus. Okay. What's happening here? Jesus is speaking with Elijah and Moses about what he was about to do in Jerusalem, what was about to happen in Jerusalem, the cross and the resurrection. And Luke says they were speaking about his exodus. That's what the Greek word says, exodus. Now, you know what the exodus in the Old Testament was, don't you? They were, in, they were slaves in Egypt. Moses led them out, or God led them out, but Moses led them out. And they went through the sea. And it says, as they went through the sea, there was a wall of water on each side. I could say, can you picture that? I can, actually, and it's a good picture. Impossible salvation. If the water was to come in, they're all dead, which is exactly what happened to the Egyptian soldiers once they got through. Impossibly, God saved them from certain death, because the great Egyptian army was coming to get them, and took them out into the desert to do what? To meet with God, to worship him. That's the first exodus. But Jesus is now talking about his exodus. What's his exodus? When he would go through death under the sins of the world, taking our punishment. And you know, have you ever heard people say you don't come back from that? You don't come back from death, do you? No? 
No, you don't come back from it. Well, you, you do in Christ, but it, um, I heard someone say, I, I went to the doctor the other day and the doctor said, oh, you're actually really sick. Um, and he said, well, how long, have I, how long have I got to go? And the doctor said, 10. He said, 10 months, 10 days? He said, nine. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's... Um, <laughs> okay. You don't come back from death. Right. Jesus went through death. He went through the Red Sea. He was raised from the dead. And that was the plan of God. The whole Old Testament fitted together with it. Because you see, through Moses came the law and through the law came condemnation because no one obeys the law. Who obeys the law? Put up your hand if you have. No one obeys the law. So the law was good, but it was a problem. And Jesus has taken us through an exodus, an impossible place, to give us a salvation and a life by his death on the cross. He saved us from our sin. Does that make sense? So Jesus is talking to Moses and he's fulfilling Moses. He's fulfilling the law. And the prophets, what did they do? They called the idolatrous people and the idolatrous kings Back to God. Well, idolatrous means they worship anything but God. They worship all sorts of stuff. Basically like we always do in our society. Everybody's worshipping something that's not God. Right? And the prophets called the people back. And Jesus fulfilled the word of the prophets in people and called them back to the Father. He restored them. So here you've got this moment where Jesus, the Son of God, in all his glory, is talking to Moses and Elijah about his exodus, about his, his going through to bring salvation, to bring the fulfilment of all that happened through Moses and Elijah, the Old Testament law and prophet. Is that clear? It's a pretty cool moment, isn't it? Really cool. Now the Greek word, just uh, out of interest, well, not out of interest, I'll tell you why, the Greek word exodus is only used three times in the New Testament. The first time's in Hebrew, well, not the first time, but one time is in Hebrews 11 and it's talking about the exodus through the Red Sea. The second time is this part here where Jesus is going to go on his exodus. The third time is when Peter, in 2 Peter, and, two, and in 2 Peter, Peter's talking about the time, I know I'm going to die soon. That's what he said. I, I know in the Lord that my time on this earth is short. In, in 2 Peter 1.15 it says this, uh, I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, after my exodus, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Peter's saying, I'm going to die soon. I want you to know what Jesus has done for you. I want you to know that clearly. So when you see me die, you'll know that my death is not a death. It's an exodus. It's a passing through in Christ. Because you see, as Moses led the people through the exodus, Jesus is leading Peter through the exodus. And if you have faith in Christ, he will lead you through the exodus too. He will take you through the absolute impossibility that you don't come back from he will take you through that to eternal life. Can you see that? Jesus has defeated the Egyptians. No, he's defeated sin and death for us. 
if we die, and we will, he will lead us through that place and take us where? To heaven, to the place of worship, to the place of fellowship with God. A far better place than Sinai in the desert. Okay. He will take... Now, understand this. Not everyone will go through the good exodus. Okay? Not everyone will go through that exodus where Jesus leads people. Only those who have turned to Jesus, those who have repented, only those who trust in him, they are the only ones who will be saved. The rest will be lost. Do you understand? As the Egyptians... Soldiers were flooded. Jesus had just said in Mark 8.36, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? This is a really important moment to see. Okay, It's a good exodus to go through death and to life with Christ. But if you do not believe in Jesus, alone he is the saviour. There is no other way to eternal life, except through him. Only he can lead you through that. Exodus, the departure and the arrival. Okay, let's go back to the transfiguration story. And Peter, and Peter says to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good that we're all here. Let's make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Now, what's Peter saying? Well, it seems like, because it says, for he did not know what to say. For they were terrified. Because you always have that person in the room who if there's a silence, they'll fill it. Yep. Now what they fill it with might not be that sensible, but here goes Peter. Yep. He's terrified. There's a moment of silence. Hey, let's put up three tents, one for each of you. Okay, that's cool. Now some people say maybe this happened around the, the Jewish festival of, of booths, which was a Jewish festival of tents, where they all did build tents and stay in tents. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, who knows. But Mark says this, Peter was terrified, he didn't really know what he was saying. So he says, let's have a camping weekend with a guy who died 1,200 years ago and somebody who died 700 years ago and, uh, and Jesus, the glorious son of God. And while they're talking about salvation of the world, why not? Or maybe Peter is kind of, he, remember in chapter 8 he got in trouble because what he wanted was the glory of Christ. He wanted the glorious king, but he didn't want the cross. And he's like, hold on to this moment. I mean, let's face it, if you've got the glorious son of God shining in all that radiance and stuff, you don't need anything else. And it's like, hold this moment, except for what are they talking about? The necessity, and what does Jesus go on to talk about? I have to die in Jerusalem and I'll be raised again from the dead. And tell this story after, not before. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus needed to go to the cross. And Peter hadn't learned that yet. But he does, if you read his books 1 and 2, Peter, you'll find out Peter learned that really well and he understood it at the end. Okay. And then a cloud overshadowed them and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. A cloud came out. This is the glory cloud of God. This is the, you know, that glory cloud that was in the desert. I think they call it the Shekinah or something like that. Might be the Hebrew word. And if I'm wrong, well, I'm wrong. But it's something like that. And 
It's God's presence leading them, his glorious presence with the people, and they're all consumed in this glory. And God the Father says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Remember at his baptism, he said, this is my beloved son, with you I'm well pleased. This time the disciples are saying, listen to him, because actually Peter is not listening to Jesus. He's interpreting Jesus the way he wants Jesus to be. Do you see that? That's what happened last week when he's, when he's saying, you, shouldn't, you don't need to go to the cross, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. He's seeing in Jesus in the way that either he thinks Jesus should be or, he, as some people do, they'll make Jesus out as a kind of a vehicle to fulfil all their selfish plans and purposes. And what, what the Father is saying Listen to him. Right? It's not your view on what you want Jesus to be. It's who he really is. So listen to him and his words. Tell people actually who Jesus is and what he's done. Okay. Now, this is where I want to do. I do want to go to two Peter again because Peter actually tells his story of the transfiguration just a little bit in two Peter one, and then he goes on to talk about what listen to him might mean. So I'm going to jump. Maybe you can go to two Peter chapter one, verse fifteen. If that doesn't take too long, two Peter one fifteen, and uh, we were there a minute ago. Two Peter one fifteen. Uh, that's it, good. And he said, I will make every effort, this is the bit I read before, so that after my departure or exodus, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Then he says this, for we did not follow, we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now he's talking about two occasions here. For when he received honour and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. That was his baptism. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. Now he's talking about transfiguration, right? We were there. We heard that voice. And what did he say? And listened to him. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven when we were on the holy mountain. And we have a prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention. In other words, listen to him. And as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay, now take a step back. What's, Paul's, what's Peter saying? He's interpreting what happened here and what that, what that voice from heaven of God the Father was. He said, I'm going to die and I'm included in Jesus' exodus and he's going to lead me through the Red Sea and he's going to, uh, through the, the sea of death and he's going to take me to eternal life. But you... Listen to the scripture, the reliable prophetic truth. Uh, by the way, do you see the prophetic truth is what? It's scripture. 
It's not some junk you make up in your head or some feeling you've got, right? It's the truth of Scripture. Because we live in an age where church leaders make up all sorts of, as he said, myths. Dumb ideas that they think are good ideas and they might even be from God, but they're not from the Holy Spirit. And he's warning his fellow Christians, listen to Jesus. Go back to the Word. Do you understand what I'm saying? When he's saying, when we, if, if we say, listen to the authoritative Word, we're not saying anything more than what we know as the Bible. If you start adding to that, as people do, then you are getting into a dangerous area. Listen to him. Which is, what I'm saying is that's what Peter's saying. He's saying, I heard that voice from heaven. Now, what did he say? Pay attention to the lamp shining in a dark place. To fact. Okay, we're doing lots of Greek words today and I'm, I'm coming to the end, don't worry. I'm not going to talk forever here. But we're going to go back to the word metamorphosis. That one's used four times in the Bible. Twice when it's talking about the transfiguration. The other two times are these. Firstly, in Romans 12.2, he says, he's just said, in view of the mercies of God, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, be metamorphed, by the renewing of your mind. With what? How do you renew your mind? With the word of God. True? You see, we live in a world, we said don't conform to the way of the world. What does the world say? Live your best life now. Do you know when our best life is? It's not now. Right? Get as much pleasure, which is obviously going to come through money, which is power over your own life, Shine your glory now. Do all that stuff. And, 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 John, and Paul's saying, don't conform to the ways of the world. Right? In light of the gospel, be transformed, be metamorphed through the truth of Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, through the gospel. In the present, we get a glimpse of the glory of Christ through the truth of Jesus, right? Of the life to come. When we will be re- when we will be exodus, when we will be joined with Christ in heaven with God forever. You see, as such, you get your treasure in this life, or you get your treasure in the next. You don't get your cake and eat it too. You don't get both. Okay. One treasure, the treasure of conforming to the ways of the world, will will fade and spoil and rust. The treasure of eternity that comes through Christ, it will not fade away. So don't conform to the teaching of the world. Be metamorphed by the Holy Spirit as he works in you. As you, what is that? You know, the Holy Spirit reveals scripture. When you you read scripture, the Holy Spirit shows you truth. Listen to this, listen to him. Can you see I'm putting all this together? Because I think it does go together and it's how Peter put it together. Believe the truth that God presented in Scripture. Believe in Jesus and his words, not clever human words. And then what happens is you will be built up, and here's where I'm going to use the next metamorphosis verse, in glory as you follow inwardly, you will become glorious following Christ. You will be substantially changed 
by the word of God. Okay, in 2 Corinthians 3, 3.18 is the other time this word metamorph used. And Paul says this, And we all, who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed or metamorphed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. He's saying, we all, who's that talking about? Believers in Christ, the church, God's people, with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed, better morphed, as through the renewing of our minds, built up into the image of God in ever-increasing glory. We're becoming more and more glorious. How, now, I don't know if you know this, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's passive. It doesn't happen by us, it happens to us. And here he says we are being transformed. God is doing a work in his people, in you who believe in him, and he is making you glorious. And he is building up your glory day by day. And you are becoming more like Jesus. And one day, if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, you know, it says that outwardly we're wasting away, but inwardly we're being built up. Outwardly we've got this old tent and it's starting to get holes in it and the rain's leaking in. But one day God's going to whip that tent off And underneath is a solid structure which will last forever, a new body. You are being renewed in glory, in the glory of Christ. Do you understand that? Inwardly, God is doing that in you. Yeah, Which is why Luther would say, we are simultaneously sinners and saints. Right? Yes, we're sinners. But God is building us up. And we are saints, holy ones of God. And we are solid in him. Why? Because of Jesus Christ and what he's done. And because of the exodus he's taken us through. And because of what he's... He is transforming us and making us new. And he is glorifying us now. So that's why Paul would say, you were sanctified, you were justified, you were glorified. Because he is glorifying you. And suddenly, looking around, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. They weren't at the worst place. Because you see, they had Jesus and that's all you need. And, And kind of in this world, there are times where we feel a bit like that. You know, because we, sometimes you have these spiritual highs. Maybe you go to a camp, or maybe you do something, and you have, and then you have this kind of a bit of a dive afterwards, and you have ups and downs, and spiritual depressions and doubts, and other days you have good days, right? But you see, we're not alone. Jesus is there with us, and He is the only one we need to take us through life, through death into the presence of God and the whole time he is glorifying us through Christ. Praise be to him and him alone. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the glimpse of glory that we saw today, the glory of Christ your son. And Father, we thank you for what he has done to take us out of the land of slavery to sin and death. We thank you that he is leading us through that and that by faith in him we can know that our departure, our exodus, is safe in your hands. 
And Father, thank you also for the promise that you are glorifying us, that you are making us new. That in you, we are your glorious sons and daughters. All through our Saviour, we thank you so much for Jesus, who suffered and died for us. We thank you. We thank you that he cleansed us, that he washed us. Thank you that he made us new. Thank you that he made us without blemish, whiter than any bleach could make a person. Thank you that he has given us those robes of righteousness which shine with your glory. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen.